with us this morning. Open your Bible. We're going to go to the Word. How many are ready to hear from the, from the Lord this morning? Amen. I believe that there's a word for you. And uh, John chapter 21 is a, a, a verse we're going to read. Actually, not a verse. It's a passage. I, I like to read passages. I think it's good to open the Word of the Lord. How many love to, when the Word is opened? Amen. It's good to read the Word of God because I believe even as you are reading the Word, because the Word in itself is powerful. The Bible says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And even as we are reading the Word, expect a miracle because the Word comes forth. I'm believing for, for healing. I'm believing that the Word of God is coming forth with anointing, that there's deliverance going on even as we open and read the Word of God. That's all. How many believe in the Word? Yeah, so we read long passages here because we want the word to be exalted above all things because man shall live, not live by bread bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. John 21, John 21. Uh, I'll read the story and I'll explain later. Um, um, And so the the title this morning is Let's Go Fishing. How many fish are, how many good fish are, all right, how many like fishing? All right, oh cool, a lot of people, so let's, let's go fishing, all right, we're going on a fishing experience right now. After Jesus appeared again to his, after, afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Isn't that funny? Like uh, Simon Peter, Simon Pete and Thomas Didi. I was like, is there a guy called Pete Didi or something? Did they get their name uh, right around there? But anyway, let's keep going. I'm going out fishing. I'm going out to fish. Hey, some people are thinking, geez, you know, I've got to close it in before the season is over here. I know, I know how you people think. Simon Peter told them that they said, well, we'll go with you. You know, what are you doing going fishing alone? You know, we want to we wanna have a good time. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Now, that sounds like my fishing experiences. <laughs> After the first, I was like, you know, it takes some time. The second, I was like, what am I doing here? And like, and some people, oh, I had a great time, but I caught nothing. It's been six hours, Terry Jones, and we've got nothing. <laughs> and that night, it was not a good night. They got what? Nada. So they went on and got into the boat. Oh, okay. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, I don't know how many times you come across the same thing in the Bible. Where Jesus shows up, but people don't realize that it was Jesus. And it causes me to stop and think, how many times is the Lord showing up in my life? And I have no idea that it's the Lord. A situation shows up and you're thinking, how in the world? Why is this keep happening to me? And Jesus is right there. But they don't realize that it's Jesus. What's even farther? He goes farther and says, hey. He called out to them, friends, haven't you fish? Any fish? No, they answered. So not only is Jesus there and they don't know Jesus there, he's talking to them. But their ears are not tuned up. 
to hear the Lord. See, the Lord says that uh, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and I call them. So the Lord is talking. Maybe it's over your finances are worrying in your life. Maybe your marriage, maybe your health. Whatever the case might be, the Lord's here. And the Lord's talking over the situation. Are we hearing him? So he has a conversation and they have no idea that they're talking to Jesus. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the, the large number of fish. Then the disciples, disciple who loved Jesus, or who Jesus loved, said to Peter. Now, John is a funny character. He, he refers himself as the third person here. The, the disciple. You know, Jesus loves all the disciples. He wouldn't have called him. But uh, he just has to say, like, no, no, no. He really loves me. And in some ways, though, we need to have that same attitude. Oh, you probably never thought about that this way. Have you ever thought of yourself as a disciple who Jesus loved? I think Bob John had something going. You think, at first you look at it, you think, oh man, was this guy insecure or what? Was it just like competitive that he wants to other guys? No, he likes me better. You know, I have this thing going on with my kids sometimes. You know, that I love you more and it goes on and on. No, no, I love you more. And I say, you wouldn't. I say, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot. I just had that with one this morning. Thanks a lot for thinking you love me more. It is flattering to me. I really appreciate that. But I'm sorry, it's impossible. But, and then I started looking at it at a different angle. It's not so much so that he was insecure, but rather that he was reaffirming his place in God's eyes. And if you pray with that attitude on the back of your heart, knowing, I'm not just calling out to God that's random for everyone. No, I'm the guy that God loves. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. And I tell you what, he does. If you ever thought he loves someone else more than you, you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you, you're wrong. You are the disciple that Jesus loves. So today when you pray, tuck that attitude at the back of your mind as you pray. Have that knowledge in the deep roots of your heart as you pray. That no, we've got something going on that's really special, me and God. So this disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. He got it before everybody else did. As soon as Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him and jumped into the water the guy who walked on the water, the guy that when he hears God's voice, he acts. So John got the revelation of God's love. But Peter's got the revelation that faith without works is dead. 
He goes, the Lord, I'm running. I'm going to swim faster than this boat can go. You know, it's the guy that Jesus said, hey, you hear me, Peter? Step out of the boat. He's the same guy. Step out of the boat. Come. I said, well, if you said it, Lord, I know this is impossible, but if you said it, Lord, I'm doing it. And he put some action into his faith. He put some action. He takes that step of faith. He lifts, lifts the rods. He stretches his hand. Whatever the case may be, God always calls us into action because faith is active. Faith cannot sit, st- sit still. Our faith is moving. We walk by faith. It's, a, it's an active thing. It's a walk of faith. And Peter's like, this is a run of faith or a swim of faith, you call it. But I'm getting there first. Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord. Okay, so he jumped to the water. You get that, verse 8. The, uh, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. He wasn't, here's the one that wasn't helping out now. <laughs> For they were... <laughs> They were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire or, a burning, or burning coals and, uh, with fish on it and some bread. Then Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, many scholars, theologians, and many people that are kind of take an interest, that number 153 has puzzled many people, many, many scholars, and they still don't know what it means, but here's what we do know is this. Numbers mean something. God reveals things through numbers. There's always sometimes sequences of numbers, like... Uh, it's not without meaning, but there are some numbers to think, oh yeah, just like they counted those 5,000 people. So, so, so there are some that think, they try to make all sorts of things about it. And thinking, but it's an odd number. Wouldn't you say it's a really odd number? 153. It's not 1, it's not 3, it's not 7, it's not 10, it's not 12. You know, there are those key numbers that you know that they have something, some meaning in the Bible, but, uh, but then, uh, 153, it says, and I don't know if it was just a sheer excitement because this was also his job, and he was just counting, you know, if every fish is about a dollar fifty, you know, how much am I going to make? You know, who knows why he counted, or, but uh, they counted them. I think Peter did. But, uh, <clears throat> you see, even uh, in the Bible, if you do the, 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 the languages of the Bible, like Hebrew and, uh, and, and, uh, and Greek, they are all... Uh, their alphabet are also a number system. You know, so every, every statement has a number attached to it and whatnot. But one of the funny things, one of the interesting things is this. Is this there's, a, there's a phrase you, you hear in the Bible, um, uh, in Hebrew, that, uh, in Greek, this is be, uh, benai, not Greek, in Hebrew, benai ha Elohim. It appears six times. It appears six times in all of Scripture. And it actually means the sons of God. Okay, the, the sons of God. And, uh, and if you are to add up all the numbers that those letters in Hebrew uh, add up to, they add up to 153. Which is kind of interesting because this story we read played out like a story that happened before. Because this is after the resurrection. 
And so at this point in the game, actually, the disciples were kind of trying to figure out who they are. They were just involved. For three and a half years, they are involved in the best ministry that the planet has ever seen. They're full-time working with Jesus, seeing all sorts of miracles, seeing people healed. Three people in that ministry go raised from the dead, and they saw it. And then all of a sudden, the Lord gets crucified, died, and uh, they go back to the office, and it's closed. Maybe an eviction notice because Judas, the accountant, was already killed himself, and now uh, nobody, who knows? And Peter decides, well, guys, I, I guess it's been a, it's been a good, uh, you know, I'm going to miss you guys a lot, but uh, i got to pay my bills. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was doing. But, you know, that same story in um, Luke chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 4, it's not the same story, but if you're not careful, you would actually confuse the two stories. Because it takes you back to the first time Peter was called to be a disciple. When the Lord actually called many disciples unto him. He came in and found the people fishing. And they had been working all night. And they had caught nothing. Which is kind of funny because when the Lord spoke the first time, it's like deja vu. This has happened before. I've seen this scene. What movie is that? Have you ever felt that? I was like, and I've seen this before. But it didn't even click yet. But it was in the same way. But Jesus says, hey, can I use your boat? And he stands on. I'm taking you back to the original time when, when Jesus called Peter into ministry. He stood and used the boat and he started preaching by the shore. And they used the boat as a platform and preaching. And then when he was done preaching, well, he told, he told them, hey, uh, if you could go in and throw your net on this side, you'll get... And they got a lot of fish. And Peter was like, absolutely... Uh, awestruck and fell down and says, leave me alone. I am sinful. His sins were exposed and he just realized that who he was in front. And the Lord says, hey, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then Peter and a whole bunch of them would follow Jesus. But it's so funny that at that point, the whole scene plays so much like the original scene when he was called. And I tell you what, here's the thing is that when we come to Jesus and we respond to him, he doesn't call us into like, now I got my salvation, I'm done. He doesn't only call us to himself, but the call of the Lord necessitates that we actually follow. He didn't say just come to me. He didn't tell them come to me. Every time he called the disciples, he says come and follow me. There is a problem when we stop. See, Peter had followed for three and a half years. But somehow, some way, the events of life and how things played out, he kind of had forgotten about that. He had forgotten about the call of God in his life. Who knows? Probably very discouraged. Here they were, uh, some time back, the disciples were kind of trying to think, because some of them had the idea that Jesus, when he takes over, is going to be an earthly kingdom, and that Jesus is going to take over, and he's going he's to um, uh, 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 take over Washington, D.C. 
that was the Rome of the time. He's going to overthrow all the oppressors and everybody that they perceive to be wrong. They had this idea that when he starts to rule the earth, that they're going to be high up. And the things are, you know, they had dreams. But they were not God dreams. They had a very narrow perspective. And Jesus kept reminding them over and over again, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. So who knows? Shattered dreams. Everything that they ever hoped for just came crumbling down, feeling like this is over. Now what am I going to do? What am I skilled to do? I guess I know how to fish. And he's already contemplating his next move. Discouragement will, will do a number on you if you let it set in in your life. It'll help you. It'll cause you to forget who you are and what you're called to be and to do. And he did for him. Fear, discouragement, who knows? And Jesus came at just the right time and he comes in the same style to remind Peter of who he is and what his calling is. I tell you what, I want to say to you that the Lord's doing the same thing. Some of you in here are probably just wondering, just kind of doing the next thing. And the Lord says, I didn't call you to just sit around and do nothing. When I called you to follow me, I called you to a life of adventure. I called you to a life of faith. I called you to a life of victory. I called you to, to a greater life than you've ever perceived it for yourself. You sat down and tried to imagine what you could be like, what your life would be like. But the Lord says, it has not been conceived even in the hearts of men, the plans that I have for those who love me. You haven't even thought it yet. Peter had not even imagined what that would look like. But he brought him back to where the axe fell. He brought him back to where he lost his Peter. You're called for more. I tell you, you are called for more. Jesus did not call us to be his disciples to sit around. He's called us to be mountain movers. He's called us to change a generation. We are not born by accident. We are not placed in this city by accident. We are not placed in this time by accident. We're here to leave a mark for the kingdom of God. See, his calling comes when he calls us, you know, we stop at the point of salvation, and now I'm, I've accepted Jesus. I'm good. You know? When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Oh, I, I got my, you know, I got my heavenly insurance, and I know I got it because I accepted Christ. But you know, God has called us for more. He says, you follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know what's interesting also about that number, 153. For one, if you were to add up all the people in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the ones that I mentioned, like 10 lepers or whatever, he made the blind man, you start adding up the individuals that are identified in all four books of the, of the Bible, that number adds up to exactly 153. And when I saw this, kinda, it kind of got me fired up a little bit here. Because fish and people. And those are people that I identify as individuals. See, God, 
He spoke to crowds. But Jesus had ministry to the individual. He was a master of the in- ministry to the individual. He's preaching to a big crowd. The short guy is Zacchaeus from Sunday school. You remember this. He's, stretch- he's pressing forward. He's going beyond the norm. And just Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Oh, but God, I- I'm a tax cheat. I defraud people of money all the time. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. What you have going? Do you got barbecue? What do you have cooking today? I'm coming. And he has a great time. He doesn't call out Zacchaeus for his sins. He knows. But he says, Zacchaeus, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay back people here. You know, Zacchaeus, you gotta repay. Zacchaeus, out of his own, He's so overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus in his home, he starts confessing without being solicited. Lord, you know, um, uh, by the way, um, you know, uh, uh, I gotta tell you this. Everybody I ever ripped off, I'm paying them four times. Like, just say, like, you really don't have to, but, but he, but you know, and then going back to what I said at the beginning of the service, don't underestimate the power of the Lord's presence in your life. Because the presence of the Lord in your life can change everything in a moment. Zacchaeus had a hard conversion because of the Lord's presence in his house. So we contend for his presence. Sometimes we sing a little bit long. Sometimes we stay longer in prayer. Why? We are contending for his presence. We don't want to just go to church and not have an encounter with Jesus. Trust me, I don't. Eight kids and all and everything. And that moment, I want, I want an encounter with God. I want my time coming in to mean something. That at least I was with Jesus. I met with Jesus because I know that when I am with him, it changes me from the inside out. And my situation can change just like that just because I was with Jesus. But he tells me that God is so concerned about the individual person. And you know, we are so accustomed to getting very impressed by the crowds. It is impressive sometimes if you could pull a crowd. And if there was someone that could pull a crowd, it was Jesus. But yet, the details of the individual is what mattered to him. He chose to spend more time with a few. He had big crowds that he spoke with too. He had big miracles that he did to the crowds. But where he really spent his time was with a few. God is wanting to save every person in Lincoln. Oh boy, you never thought about that. He wants every person in Lincoln saved. Every single person. Even thou mean boss. Oh, yeah. And maybe you are the mean boss. But he wants everyone saved. That's what the Lord's heart is. But he's put his people in Lincoln, Nebraska, in this congregation, in other congregations, his people. But you know, they will not get saved unless we talk to him about Jesus. And so that's what Peter was getting reminded. Peter, you got a mission 
I know you, you like fishing, or maybe you think you need to fish, but you remember way back when I called you and I told you I'll make you a fisher of men. So he renewed his calling. And I tell you, God's great commission is, a, is our mission. And we've got to be reminded all the time that as God's people in our city, you've got to look at yourself, the disciple that Jesus loves, okay? But as God's people in our city, we are the answer of Lincoln, Nebraska. It's God's people in America that they are answers. We look so much, we put so much weight over the politicians, and it's so much funny because if you are truly honest and truly unbiased, which we all think we are, all, we all think we are unbiased. I'm going to break it to you. We all are biased. You will realize that actually the biggest changes that happen in a nation is not so much who's up there. It's so much the people that are in here. I mean, like in the, in the Lord's house. It's so much. That's who really impacts. The politicians all do the dance. The wave goes this way, and that's why they could calculate. They're paying people six-figure incomes to study the waves. And if they can have a good reading on which direction the wind is blowing, they will flip their position so fast you wouldn't know it. And it's not new. It's not just in America. It's all over the world. And it's not a 21st century phenomenon. Let me introduce you to a man called Herod. He interviews Jesus, interrogates him. He's, Jesus is accused of everything that a person could do. He interviews the guy. He interrogates him. And he says, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. And he goes back to the people. And here's another one. And he studies the wave. And he makes a political calculation. He's got advisors. He's paid good money. Pull him right out of Harvard. 4.0 GPA. The guys are really shine. They study the wave. says, how's it blowing, guys? And they come back and they say, hey, you got to smile. Not so much, just a little bit. You got to... They've studied body language, everything. They've studied it all. And he goes to the way, he's like, well, you know, I found no fault in this guy. Um, uh, but you're going to tell uh, Caesar that I'm a weak leader. If I, you know, he's making all these political calculations. He says, you know what I'm going to do? Give me a bowl here. I'm going to show you some. Give me a bowl of water. I'm giving him to your hands, but I have nothing to do with it. So he's securing both. He's like, good with the people, good with God. You know what I mean? Why am I going in that? That was not even part of my message. But I'm trying to remind us as God's people that we have a higher calling. Not just going out fishing like everybody else. He's called us to fish men. Just a higher calling. And that's where things happen. And so God call, reminds Peter of his call. And God's reminding us of our call. That the Great Commission is still a standing order from the Lord. 
And he breaks it down. Let me break it down to you before I, we go to communion in three, three ways. The Great Commission is given to us a couple of times, a couple of di- explicitly twice, actually three times by Jesus after the resurrection. And I'm going to talk about things that we have to keep in mind. Um, um, first of all, the Great Commission, you find it listed the first time it's mentioned is Mark 16. Okay, Mark 16, 15. I don't know if I have it there. If I don't, you can write it down. I do. Great. I do. Okay. He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the first time it appears. And then Matthew records it again. So Matthew 28. And I've used this a lot. In fact, in 2015, I spent almost the whole year uh, reciting this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. But surely if I numbers have meaning, like I said before, can't be two times. And this was not a paraphrase of the same conversation. Essentially, the message is the same. But these two incidences were at least 10 days. At least 10 days apart if you call, follow Christ's, uh, um, uh, scripture carefully and the events that were taking place. So it wasn't just uh, Matthew's interpretation of the same conversation that Mark had. In fact, we, you, could, you could definitively know that by reading John. Because the event actually happens in John. But he doesn't precisely quote it. Okay? Now, and Luke is the only one that makes no mention of it in his gospel of the Great Commission. But Luke also wrote Acts, which is literally just a continuation of the gospel of Luke. The good doctor, right? And he does mention it in Acts 1.8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, three things I want to kind of break it down for our remembrance. Number one, as it relates to the, to the Great Commission. It's about the power that's contained in the gospel. See, Paul reminds us that, I, and he says this, that I will, I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is what? It's the power of God that brings salvation to those who believe. So in other words, the gospel is foolishness to those who do not believe. But it is the power of God to those who believe. Because people must respond to it in faith, right? So there's, there's a power that we got to be conscious about. And what Mark highlights is one element, and I'm going to get three elements here, that are applicable in all of our lives, and we need to be con- conscious of this. Okay, Mark says, go and preach the gospel. And my first thought here to you will be the power of the pulpit. The power of the preaching, the preached word. And that commission is not for me. You think, oh, well, you're the one to preach. No, 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 no. You know who that is? Look at the person on next to you. That's for you. 
Tell them, it's for you. That commission is for all of us. And never underestimate the power of, pre- of the preaching, of the preached word. And that preached word is as powerful from this pulpit, but as it is for that individual pulpit. God has given you a pulpit, an audience, the audience that you talk to. And don't be ashamed to, talk the, to speak the word of God to people. Don't be afraid to give people the opportunity to come to Jesus. And I found that many Christians do this. They'll tell people about the Lord. They don't, they'll talk about the Lord and they'll bring people to the point like, yeah, maybe I should be thinking. But then we start reading all these signals. How are they really responding? But we never give them an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Sometimes you need to just quit. Like, okay, we've been going at this for, for 30 minutes for an hour. Stop it in an awkward way even. So I've got to ask you, would you like Jesus? I've, done, I've learned this in my life. And I could, tell you, I, I, I could go in now and tell you story after story after story. One time, just about a couple of years ago, I was here in the office. Some guy rings the bell. Um, uh, and it was kind of a question of, you know, how you could judge someone by the way they look and what they are. And you're thinking, what is this guy up to? I just want to make sure he's not a troublemaker. But I came over to him and I said, hey, how can I help him? Because I'm so hungry, whatever. Um, he was riding his bike. I forget something happened. So I'm like, I looked in the fridge. Is there any food for leftover from some event? Get him, get, I had him sit down and eat and stuff. And, uh, and uh, what he needed was a ride. I said, okay, I, I'm supposed to meet my wife. For a doctor's appointment, she's like six months pregnant. She's always pregnant, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> but, uh, but I'll, I'll take you. I'm a little late, but I'll take you where you need to go. So as we go, and he, I start talking to him. I'm asking, so you know, tell me about you. Yeah, well, are you married? You're, yeah, he has a kid, but he's not married. Story goes on. He tell me, even my dad works at a church here in town. And every once in a while, I go there and stuff. So... He's telling me all this. I said, I, and I, have you ever invited Jesus into your life? Have you ever asked him to save you, to be the savior of your life? And I'm now at Highway 2, just about to turn left there. And he looked at me and he says, no one has ever asked me that before. <laughs> and he's gone to church all his life. His father visited on staff at a church in town. And he's heard a lot about Jesus, but he's never been represented with that opportunity for him to think himself like Peter was told that day, Peter, come follow me. And so we are the hands of Jesus to give people that opportunity. And you might be surprised how many people, they've never just had to pause and think, I have to make a decision right now to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Or Jesus, I don't want you in my life. And that's basically what they're saying. When they say no to Jesus, God, you're good. You're awesome. I admire you. I have a lot of questions about you. I don't understand everything, but I don't want you in my life. That's a different way to phrase it. So drove the guy, got to the place, and I was running late. Pulled off on the side of the road. I said, you know what? Today's your day then. Would you want him in your life? He says, yeah. I, so I did a sinner's prayer with him right there in my account. We prayed. 
Very simple prayer. And as we finish praying, there's tears down his cheek. But that entire time, remember, we were talking about how hard life was for him. That was the first time I saw the most genuine, sincere smile in his face. I didn't know that the guy was even, could smile. And what was that? It's the invitation of the Lord's presence in his life right there. Because he'll do something on the inside of you where tears and joy are mixed together. I didn't pray a big, powerful prayer. It was just a simple prayer. But the Holy Spirit at that invitation came and met that guy right there in the car. But I never forget him telling me, no one has ever asked me that before. And I was convicted on that. And what I want to encourage you to take with that is many people in America, being a country that was founded on Christian principles, a lot of people, I'm going to say, a country has a lot of flaws. But for the most part, they at least revere the Lord's word. Even in times of history where people try to maybe manipulate scripture to suit them, that's then, it still happens today. Maybe just our agendas are different than they were for the people. But people will always try to get the word to use to help them. But on a country that's been based on Christian principles, a lot of people have heard about God. When you talk about Jesus, it's not a brand new message, the words, the things that we talk it's not a. It's not foreign to many people. In fact, a lot of people can quote these things. They might not be able to tell you the reference, but they can tell you essentially. Especially when you try to judge them, they'll tell me, don't judge. Hey, 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 who are you to judge? Well, they're quoting scriptures. Hey, but God is love. love, love. You know, they quote scriptures. So our problem doesn't lie with the basic knowledge of what Christianity is about. But rather, God allowing the Holy Spirit use us as the instrument to preach that message. And by preaching, don't translate it to what I'm doing right now. That can be just a simple conversation about that one individual that Jesus cares for so much. And when he uses you as an instrument and you see someone saved, I tell you, your faith gets built up. And when your faith gets built up, your faith is not going to just work for you for salvation. When you have strong faith, that faith will, build, will work for you in many different ways because you've been with an encounter of seeing the power of God demonstrated in your life. And now you have great faith. It's like, oh, well, what's that deal with my finances? You'll start up. You'll have faith that can move mountains in your life at that moment when God, when you just see God just did something miraculous. It was so random. It was so surreal. But I flowed with it and I just dared to take that step. And it sparks an energy in your faith that will translate into your prayers over any other area of your life. And so when we don't activate that in our lives, there is something of a limitation that we put upon our faith that hinders even where we go because it does affect every other area of our lives. Don't underestimate the power of the preach of the pulpit. And that power resides in you, but it gets activated when it's exercised. So I challenge you this week 
when you talk to somebody about Jesus, don't leave it hanging. They can tell you all the doubts they have because we, we, we analyze, we analyze all the things. Of, I've always questioned about this. I've always questioned about Christians being high. Well, I know this Christian is a hypocrite. You know, they, they tell you all these things and then we get all afraid that they would not be open. But the truth is, even you sitting in here today, we all have our own questions. So why shouldn't they have a right to have questions? We have our own doubts sometimes. You pray half-hearted prayers because you want, God, please, but in your heart you're thinking maybe, what if? So if we do as Christians have questions, why would a non-believer not have questions? Just because they have questions and doubts, it doesn't mean that they're not open for Jesus. And until they get in the family, some things will never be revealed. And the first thing is that invitation. And all they have to, and sometimes you don't have to preach. You know one question of you sometimes? Is, would you want to say yes to Jesus in your life? Do you want God? Sometimes it's just as simple as that. You don't have to quote big Bible terms. It's just a matter of heart. So if the Lord will say something to you today, would your heart say yes to him? Okay, if you are saying yes to him, let me help you pray. And right there you become an instrument and a catalyst of the gospel, which translated, it's the power of God. The power of God, you are a conduit. You are a vessel that was used to transmit the power of God that has eternal Impact in someone's life. The second power, which Mark, uh, and I'll go fast on this, is the power of discipleship. The power of the circle. So for Mark, he says, go and preach the gospel. Matthew goes, go and make disciples. Because sometimes, once we get to step one down, we stop. But when Jesus invited his disciples, he didn't call them and stop there. He joined them in a small circle. A small group. Uh, did I say a small group? Yeah, I did. A small group. Because, and he concentrated on the small group than he did ever with the big crowds. You know, some crowds were estimating that the people, Jesus spoke to as many as 20,000 people. That would come to some of his meetings. I don't know how they did it without a PA system. <laughs> but they did it. Thanks, Judy. <laughs> but he spent a lot of time with the circle. Because discipleship happens in small circles. You cannot live off of this alone and grow. Even if you're coming to church every Sunday. And now, believers are not going to church every Sunday. But I think, you know how the what comes first, the chicken or the egg thing? I think that cycle has come in. Because we're not in the small circle. And somehow, some way, one is affecting the other. And all over America, they're saying that regular believers are attending church less and less. Less and less. Frequent, two times a month. But I'm going to break it to you. You can't, it's all right, but you can't do that and grow. 
or your growth track will be so much slower than what God originally designed for you. See, when he comes back to give the most important message to the church, he doesn't rally all the people that he ever spoke to. Think about that. Three guys were raised from the dead. They were brought from death to life. And he doesn't rally all the people. Guys, hey, come on. He brings a small circle and he says, guys, this is what I want you guys to do. And he believed that that small circle was powerful enough to turn the world upside down and sure they did. Because you start reading the book of Acts and you see how things played out and you're thinking, man, I'm ashamed. With all the technology we have, all the capabilities we have for transportation and all those things that are so convenient for us. These guys had none of that and sure enough in the past 100 years of Christianity, the world had been turned upside down. By the time you get to the third century, Christianity was dominant all over the world. The Roman Empire had made Christianity uh, the state religion. No cell phones, no Twitter, no, no hashtags, this and that. But they did it. The power of the small circle. If you want to follow and grow, there has to be. There has to be. You have to be connected with other people. Not just in the big setting, but also in the small circle. I know we preach, get yourself in small groups. It's not like we don't know that you have stuff in your schedule. But it talks about make it a priority. If you really want to grow. And be able to assist others to grow. You know, we developed this Go go book, and I don't have a copy with me. But uh, if you haven't taken one person through Go book, you're missing something in this. And there's still time this year. Because not only are you assisting another person to grow, but you know it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. When you are helping somebody and walking. But we, we designed the Go book not to be done in a class. No. It's in the small little circles. And how many? Raise your hand if you can say, you know what? When someone did it with me, it helped me a lot and I grew. Raise your hand. Let me just see all over this. Stretch it out so people can see. I want you to take the next step. Stand up. If it really helped. Stand up. Stand up. If you want, raise your hand. Stand up. Look at that. It was never taught in a class. But it was that circle. The power of the circle. And I've had stories. Thanks, guys. Give him a hand. Thank you. And I want to please. I remember I helped one of my friends go through it. And he told me, man, you know, I'm a 50-year-old man, a Christian all my life, going to church all my life. This is, how my, this is the most I've ever gone through the Bible in my entire life. And I thought, what? But he was like looking at me and says, you know, I'm getting more excited about what? Never underestimate the power of the circle. And I don't know who you brought into your circle. Let me read something real quick. And I'm going to close here. I'm not even going to go to the third one. I'm stopping at two. Because, hey, how many received something already? Amen. So I'm going hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with, uh, we'll give you a couple of examples here. Back, um, um, there's a man called George 
Whitfield. He was a prolific minister of the gospel in the 18th century. He was actually a contemporary of John Wesley. And if you read the history of that time of Christianity, everybody admits hands down, there is not even comparison. That George Whitfield, who was a contemporary of John Wesley, was the best by far preacher of his time. He was eloquent. He was gifted. He would speak to a crowds of 10,000 without a mic. And such a compelling preacher got many, many people saved in that time. But just as they go on, he wrote something that was very interesting as he observed in his ministry and comparing himself to John Wesley. He said, my brother Wesley acted wisely. The souls that were awakened under his ministry, he joined in societies and thus preserved the fruit of his labor. This I neglected, and my people are a rope of sand. And he realized that yes, he paid great attention to the power of the pulpit, but neglected the power of the circle. And John Wesley would actually respond to that statement. And he wrote this in response. He says, those who are desirous to save their souls were no longer a rope of sand, but a clave, but clave to one another and began to watch over each other in love. Societies were formed and Christian discipline was introduced in all those branches. And today you will not find any group of people that say that I'm George Whitfield's disciple. But there are millions over 200 years later, 300 almost, they still say that I'm a John Wesley. I'm a Wesleyan follower. Because that commandment is just that much critical if there's going to be any longevity in what we do. If you want something that is just a touch and go and not have legacy, we could have these momentarily experiences. But God's calling us to walk and that's in those small circles. Again, I have a small group. And I challenge you to look for somebody that you can go through the go book with before this year ends. That you can stand at the end of the year and say, hey, I was scared because I didn't know anything. But I got somebody. Even if I pulled another guy, another girl with me, and we help somebody else get to a closer step with God than they were at the beginning of this year. But you know, as you walk through that, you get better, you get inspired, you get encouraged, and you grow. That's why the call is not just come to me, it's come and follow me. As you follow, bring as many with you as you can. I end with that, and I'm going to ask us to stand and pray. How many received something from God this morning? Amen. I want to pray over you. Don't be like, well, well, let me say, don't be like Peter. Maybe you are like Peter. But the Lord today is kind of re- reminding you of your assignment. Father, we thank you. Let's pray. We thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. God, where we have forgotten our calling, maybe where we become lazy about our calling,
when we become distracted by other competing demands in our lives. We ask that you forgive us and you keep us reformed, oh God. Uh, refine us, Lord. Revive us, Lord. Like you revived Peter and remind him that he is called to be a fisher of men. Use our hands, our feet. Give us a fresh start, a fresh beginning. Breathe upon us, Holy Spirit, because we know we can't do it in our own strength. But God, you said you'll send your spirit who will enable us, who will give us strength, who will empower us to do what we cannot do with our own wisdom, our own skills, oh God. Where we fall short, you compliment us, Holy Spirit, and you propel us even into a higher level than we never hope for, Lord. Now touch our lives, touch our hearts. We invite you, God, of our city. We invite you of our nation, God, that you move, that you bring revival in America, God. We stand in the gap also right now. We take this moment in your presence and stand in the gap for our brethren in Houston, Texas. All those that have been affected by this horrible catastrophe, Lord. Homes that are broken, families that are divided, wealth that has been diminished, oh God, health. That are comp- the health that's been compromised. God, we stand with them. Yes. We stand with them in prayer. Let them feel our prayers. Even right now, let people feel. As we are praying in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes. Yes. Okay. You are Jehovah Shammah. Not limited by distance. You're here and there at the same time. And as we call on your name, let people right now get a wave of joy. A wave of the sense in this that I'm going through this, but God's with me. The sense of thankfulness. The sense of satisfaction in knowing that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. I pray that they will fill your rod and your staff, comforting them even right now. And God, we ask that even through all these things that we are going together, we ask that you bind the spirit of division in our country. That you silence the mouth of the enemy. Those who seek to divide us from classes, from races, from economic status, from religion, from any uh, demographic that might divide. Lord, we ask that you shut the mouths of the enemy. That we are the United States, the united people, the united one nation under God, indivisible, we pray, Lord. I ask that you cause the church of Jesus Christ to arise in this hour. Help us to be your, the light for the world to see. You said, let your light so shine in the darkness that a city on a hill cannot be hidden, God. Let our testimony, even in this church, oh God, for our city, yes, oh God. the people of all demographics, Lord, social, cultural, that can come under the feet of one Jesus. Thank you, my God. Let our light shine. Let our light shine, God. Let our light shine, O oh God. Let your light shine through us, yes, God, we pray. Yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, touch. Help me pray throughout the congregation. Help me pray. Begin to call on the Lord. Begin to call on the Lord over this city. Pray for the lost. People that have gone through your mind right now. Just call on the Lord right now for people to be saved. For the light of Christ to shine. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask the communion team to begin to pass the elements.
all over the congregation because we want to pray over this cup and bread. We want to pray over these elements. Just take it and hold it as it comes. Pass it as quickly as you can. Help if you can. Hold your cup. Hold your bread. We're going to pray for this because the Lord says when we do this, we remember him. And there is power indebted here today as we pray. Things are going to happen. Be that bold witness this week. Ask the Lord to do something. Now, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and not a member of this church, you can take of it. It's the table of the Lord. But if you're not born again, if you're not born again, pass, just pass it. But we'll give you an opportunity to be born again because this is the table of the Lord. If you know that you're born again, yes, you can take it. But don't take it if you're not. Um, uh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll come and pray together once everyone is served. Christ is my reward and all of my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that could ever satisfy through every trial my soul will sing no turning back I've been set free Christ is enough for me And this hope will never fail. Heaven is our home. Yes, Lord. Through every storm, my soul will sing. Jesus is here to God be the glory Christ is enough for me Christ is enough for me everything I need is in you Lord everything I need Christ is enough, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough for me, everything I need is in you, Lord, yes, everything I need, yes, He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us.
pray over the bread together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this bread that we hold here, Lord, and I thank you for what it represents. Lord, I thank you that it represents your broken body on that cross that day, Father God, because you went so that we could be made whole. You were broken so that we could be made whole. Father, I thank you. There are so many things that are going on in our lives right now that try and break us down. Father, there's problems in marriages. There's problems in families. Father, problems in finances, jobs, in spirit, Lord God. We're trying to be broken down. But Lord, we can stand here today as we take this and be made whole in you today, oh yes, God. And we thank you yes, for that, Lord. Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, we don't, we, we don't want to walk out of here the same, Lord. We want to be made whole. We want to see families together yes, again. Father, we want to see children together with families again. Father, yes, we want to Lord. walk together Restored. in you yes, in, a, in a great restored way, Father, because you are a restorer. Yes, Lord, Lord, you bring it back to better than it was before. Thank you, Lord. Lord, and I thank you thank for that. You, Lord, Lord, we stand on it today, oh God. Lord, as we take this and we think about our own situations, we lift them up to you today and we believe for resolution and restoration today. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen and amen. Let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, thank the Lord with your own voice as you partake of it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray for the cup. Lord, we thank you for your blood, God. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross, Lord. We thank you that you shed every drop of your blood for us, my God. And we thank you for what your blood represents, Lord. The sacrifice that you made. The forgiveness that we have in you, Lord. Forgiveness of all of our sins, Lord. Your word says that you've forgotten them. The way (laughs) that east is to the west, Lord, are our sins to you. They have been thrown into the depths of the ocean, my God, and forgotten by you, Lord. I pray that we too may be able to forget them, that we too may be able to leave them at the cross and not pick them back up, Lord. And I thank you for the confidence that that brings. Confidence in your sacrifice. Confidence in your forgiveness, Lord. And the boldness that that brings, that within that forgiveness, Lord, we might be able to talk about it to others, God. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done for us, Lord. The sacrifice that you have done on the cross. The way that you spread your hands from left to right and said, It is finished, Lord. It is finished. We thank you, my God. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. And we pray for the restoration that you have given us, Lord. That we might be able to receive it and talk to others about it, God. We thank you for the wholeness that we have in you, Lord. We bless you. We magnify you, Lord. We praise your name today. We praise the name of Jesus today. We We lift the name of Jesus up today. Lord, Lord, you are our God. You are our Savior. You are our Redeemer. And we thank thank you, Lord, Lord, for the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Let it out. Let it out. Just say say to the Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! How many feel the presence of the Lord already? Thank you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, begin to worship him. Where you are, begin to worship him. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I love your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you could pass, pass the uh, cups uh, to the middle aisle, if you haven't already, so that we can have our hands free to worship this. This next one, I want us to sing together and just go ahead and worship him. Let's lift him up. Let's give him all our worship. I know it's just a few moments, but let's give it all to him and watch the Lord move and do some miraculous stuff among us that we worship him. Okay, sing this with us. Let's go. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I would rather be. No place I would no place, no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. A set of fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more. No place I would rather be. No place. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I would rather, no place. I would rather no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. A set of fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more, I want more. Set a fire, set a fire. Oh, that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more, more of you, God. I want more. Lord. Yes, set a fire down in my soul. Make me hungry for you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. How many want more? I want more. I'm sorry, we're going to end the service very soon. But listen, you can have more in your car. 
You can have more at home. You can have home, more in Lincoln this week. And you'll really get more if you're conscious about the Lord using you to move somebody one step closer to God this week than they were last week. You'll get even more. I want us to give him also, just show, give him our offering, money, a lot of money. Give the Lord a lot of money. All of Let's let's show you. You know, Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's, that's your, your heart shall be also, you know. And we want to just honor the Lord with our giving this morning and thank everyone that's faithful. You know, I know I want to thank you, but the Lord thanks you for being 